Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Horror, the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced, with your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 376, covering Lethe. Hi, friends. What is, what is this? Week week six? Week, week five? Six, week six, yeah. Week, yeah, of, of disco. And uh, things are getting... What are they getting, would you say? Uh, not as good this week, actually, I'd say. Yeah, honestly, the first time around, this, this episode was the point where I thought, maybe I'm not going to like this one, because... Mm-hmm. The last three had a bunch of stuff I didn't like. Like there were things to like, mm. but there's kind of a trend of oh they're fall they're getting real dark, which nah. I don't love like always, and they're, they're you know falling into some old cliche traps. There's and definitely there's definitely okay. some mind bullshit in this episode that I don't there have is. time for. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff I don't like. There's stuff I like too though, and mm-hmm. like we always said, even the parts that we hate about this show are different things for the most part yeah like there's some old tired cliches in here but there's also some things that we've never talked about before so that's cool well i will but, say this like as bad as it might get like i still like this cast i like watching them do shit oh yeah yeah i all but one yes mm-hmm. i made a uh, version of that meme where you're like you know these people are like this not you <laughs> where it was like crushing on everyone in discovery and then a picture of ash tyler this is not you no because yeah no but yeah, um, and again, there is a lot to like, but this was the point where I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I don't really care for this one. And then next week, without saying what happens, mm-hmm. uh, there is a, a definite trend upward again. Yep. And then for me, it goes down again and then up again. So like this, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of very uneven things, but I think this might've been the low point for me. Yeah, I can definitely see that. It's definitely the low, it's definitely the worst episode we've done so far. Yeah. And there's still a lot to like. So mm-hmm. again, you know. That's good. But let me tell you what happens in, and, and we researched this. It could be wrong, but uh-huh. if it's wrong, it's definitively wrong. Uh, when when Amanda cut the uh, the bumpers for the season, uh, we looked it up on a bunch of different websites that have pronunciations, and like three or four of them said leafy. So leafy. It might not be right, but if it's wrong, a bunch of legit sources have it wrong. So, you know, mm-hmm. we're wrong because the internet, not because we guessed. So. Someone's probably going to tell us we got it wrong. Uh, it's fine. Just we'll just ignore them like we always do. Oh, yeah. Uh, so let me tell you what happens in Lethe. Some people like to say that the show isn't very much like Star Trek, so I guess they must have missed the fact that in three of the last four episodes, someone's going somewhere in a shuttlecraft, and that shuttlecraft is damaged or destroyed, just like in all those other episodes of Star Trek. This time, the inevitably doomed shuttle in question is carrying Vulcan Ambassador Sarek and a twitchy young Vulcan assistant to a secret meeting with the Klingons. Only it turns out that the twitchy young assistant is actually a logic extremist, which is the second Enterprise reference in two weeks. An Enterprise, to our eternal chagrin, does count as Star Trek. The logic extremist attempts to suicide bomb Sarek, but he takes so long to deliver his terrible knife-waving psycho speech that he gives Sarek the chance to escape certain death and beam into a sort of nebulous, probably death state. Then he uses his Vulcan mind powers to contact Michael on Discovery, because remember, this is how melding works now, and it always has. Who says that it hasn't? Now one of Michael's most humiliating memories, the time when she applied to the Vulcan Expeditionary Force and Sarek told her she wasn't good enough because she was human, just plays on an endless loop in her mind, which I guess is Sarek's way of saying, you're even more of a disappointment than my real son. (laughs) 
Or possibly, come rescue me, please. So hard to tell with these Vulcans. Michael convinces Lorca to take Discovery to the site of the logic bombing, but <coughs> tachyons or some bullshit means they have to take a shuttle in the rest of the way. To assist her in tracking Sarek, Stamets has built a device that magnifies the remote mind meld for Michael because I guess if we're going to have this terrible idea, we're going to tease it out to its most idiotic possible conclusion. Also on the shuttle are Tilly for moral support and Lieutenant Ash Tyler for some reason. Michael goes back into the dream realm. Did I mention this one was written by Joe Minoski, whose last Star Trek episode was Unimatrix Zero Part 2? And not only has to watch her humiliating memory play out over and over, but now also has to kung fu fight Sarek inside her dream of his memory of her. <laughs> Eventually, Michael discovers that Sarek's replaying this memory not because he uh, wants to die thinking about what a disappointment Michael is, but because he regrets lying to her about it. See, she actually was accepted to the Vulcan Expeditionary Force, but the dickhole racists on Vulcan refused to accept two non-human children of Sarek, little-known piece of Star Trek trivia, Mr. Spock is half-human. <laughs> so Sarek chose Spock, and we all know how that worked out. So what we're seeing here is regret. Mind you, when Michael does rescue him and they have an actual live conversation outside of a kung fu dream context, he doesn't particularly acknowledge this regret or apologize or anything, so I guess everything's back to normal here. Oh, and while all of this was happening, Lorca had sex with Admiral Cornwell, who eventually discovers that Lorca's been lying to pass his psych evals, and that he's completely unfit to command any ship, much less the most powerful ship in the fleet during a war. But before she can do anything about it, she's sent to negotiate with the Klingons in place of the still-recovering Sarek. Naturally, the rest of her party is murdered, because if there's one thing we know about Klingons in this show, it's that they're completely one-dimensional evil pricks with no concept of honor. And in fairness, when has the word honor ever been associated with Klingons? N never that I have heard of. I, yeah, I've never heard those two words in the same episode. No. Even. Yeah. That, uh, just Certainly not something Worf used to scream while he stabbed someone in the back. I mean, we're not going to take... Like, Worf is the most unreliable narrator when it comes to what Klingons <laughs> are about. He sure but, is. But many of the other guys have, too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, these guys, you know, let's... Uh, well, this is your bad thing, right? Oh, yeah, man, the fact that the peace talks with the Klingons are a trap, and yeah. of course they fucking are, are you kidding me, makes yeah. Starfleet look so fucking naive. Like, it makes it makes Sarek look naive. And that right? Like, he's terrible at a lot of things, as we will talk about in a minute, but he's supposed to be a good diplomat. Like, it, it's no wonder that they're losing this war. It's lo it looks like they've forgotten how to fight. Yeah. Look, Starfleet should always be the exploratory force first. I completely yeah. believe that. But, like, they're also a peacekeeping armada. It's right there in the movie. And having them be constantly tricked by the Klingons, who keep showing no interest whatsoever in peace, just makes them look like morons. Also, the, the war's been going on for, I don't know, a year or something at this point? Yeah. Hey, the Klingons want to talk peace. Because we jumped ahead to Michael in prison, and then we jumped ahead again a couple of times. Yeah. Hey, the Klingons want to make peace with us. Cool. Let's get one admiral oh, and, finally. and two morons and stick them in a room with as many Klingons as we can fit in there. That'll work, right? No. Well, the the admiral thing was a last minute thing. And originally they were going to send Sarek and this this young Vulcan assistant. But same, same. That's even Sarek's worse. very valuable. That means they have no defense when the Klingons inevitably betray them. Yeah. No, it's it's not great. Like, what? Do you guys not have any object permeance? Like, every time you've <laughs> met with the Klingons, they betray you. It's all they do anymore. I like thinking of Starfleet Command as a bunch of infants who, when someone leaves the room, they think don't exist anymore. That's the nice thing about exploring when you have no object permeance is that everything <laughs> is really exciting all the time. Yep. 
Uh, wow, what is, a great ship. It is It is permanence, though. I don't want to. Oh. There's no way to correct without sounding like a dick. I'm not trying to do that. I just, I know some listener's going to do it, and I want to do it first. That's all. Hey, Matt, it's object permanence. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> hey, you've been saying it wrong this whole time, idiot. That's that's not what I meant, Matt. Well, it's time for me to retire from podcasting. <laughs> Damn it. We're so close. <laughs> We're like eight episodes away from doing it all. No, no, it's ruined now. Oh, well. Uh, no, I, I do. And actually, this kind of ties into my good thing because, yeah, Starfleet seems real dumb. Mm-hmm. But Admiral Cornwell, uh, um, her first name is Katrina. Uh, she's the older lady who is like Lorca's direct, you know, like like he's coordinating with her. Yeah, she looks like stuff. my English We've teacher in high school. Oh, your English teacher was kind of pretty. Yeah. Uh, A.K.A. the only sane officer in Starfleet. Mm hmm. Like, there's so many points where people criticizing this show, including me, said, this is not how it should work. And she just lays it all out for him. Okay, you, Stamets, like, uh, genetically engineered himself, which is illegal and Has unethical. Has been for about 300 years. Yeah. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, oh, you have Michael Burnham, the only convicted uh, mutineer in the history of Starfleet, in a prominent position on your ship. That's bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? You, they, like, she, just all this stuff. And then, and then we get to Lorca as a psychopath who sleeps with a phaser by, mm-hmm. by his side. And, um. You brought this dude on who was just, who, who was in a Klingon prison cell for six months. Oh, right, right. Yeah, Ash Tyler. That's the other thing. Because this guy is PTSD like crazy. You know, that's not really a spoiler. He's been tortured mm-hmm. and he's carrying some shit around. But you made um, him your security officer because he can shoot better than you. Yeah, your security officer. The the Not only did you give him a gun, you gave him all the guns. Yeah, well, my security officer just died. Yeah, that's another thing, by the way. Yeah, also, we didn't love Landry, but I guess that problem kind of fixed itself. <laughs> but yeah, and then, and then to discover unquestionably that he is unfit for command. Like, mm-hmm. she's the only one saying all this stuff. She's the only like, sensible person in all of Starfleet, it seems, right now, or at least the part of Starfleet dealing with Discovery. And so, naturally, he can't get, like, he doesn't want to lose his ship. We'll talk oh, about yeah. why when we get to the spoiler section, because we already know this. But mm. but it's enough to know he doesn't want to lose his ship. Yeah. And so he sends her on this mission. And I was talking to Amanda about this. Do you think it was his plan to know that she was going to get caught or they were going to betray her or something like that? I was like wondering that? that, too. Like, it makes sense to me. Yeah. I think he was just stalling for time. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, without talking about what we know he's getting up to, yeah. the fact is he doesn't want to lose his ship. And anything that gives him a little time, mm-hmm. like uh, sending her away yeah. and then riding off with the ship that can literally go anywhere in the universe, that's, he's you know. definitely the one who suggested her to take over for Sarek. Yes. Yes, he absolutely is. And it makes sense in context. Oh, We're yeah. the closest ship. You are definitely qualified. Well, that's but. how he—that's how he fucking works, man. Just like, oh well. Luckily, I have a great idea that also benefits me secretly. It's—it's it's a lot like Michael. Mm-hmm. Michael is a manipulator like crazy. She's a human oh, yeah. who grew up with Vulcans and understands enough how humans work that she can use. Like, hey, you're looking nice today. Can I have a dollar? Like, that's—that's <laughs> that's her deal, man. And he's the same way, only way more. Like, to, oh, yeah. to the point of being a psychopath. Well, he's a fucking sociopath. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's. I like it. Yeah. I like that about him, and unfortunately, without getting specific, they're going to cheapen that a little later. Yeah, we'll get to that, but... Uh... Yeah. But right now, it is, like, it's painful to watch, but in a way that is interesting. Oh, I love... He's such a great... I love any time he's on camera. It makes me so happy. And the actor's great, 
and a lot of the like you can see him deflecting things uh-huh. and if it's stuff that you know to look for for later that's cool but there's stuff that works now too like it's it, there's a lot going on there like he's so he's he's a sociopath and he's completely out of his mind but he's also very charming yeah yeah when and, he wants to be this and, is this is the first episode i realized he wasn't just a one note like you know hard ass like yeah when when Michael's laying in sick bay because of her magic dream coma, mm-hmm. and she's like, uh, "Sarek's in danger," uh, he doesn't say, "That's bullshit." What are you talking about? Souls and all this n- yeah. nonsense. He's like, "Oh, I know you and Sarek have a connection. I know Sarek's importance to the war. Let's let's go rescue him." Well, and it's he, like, "Huh, sensible captain." Sometimes well, he he needs her, and it's in his best interest to keep her happy. So yeah, like... but also we see a glimmer of what he might have been like before the war. Sure. So, you know, I like that. I, li- yeah. I like the guy. And right. like you said, most of the characters, like, I don't like this episode very much, but most of the characters oh yeah, are still great. There's a whole great thread through this where, because we've seen the blossoming relationship, friendship between uh, Tilly and Michael. Mm-hmm. And this really is really- really that naturally evolved since the, her first appearance. Yeah. And, and this is the first time you really see them as friends. Yeah. It was like, uh, annoying roommate. Uh, okay, I guess I'm going to have lunch with you because you're the only one I know. Mm. And now we're to the point where it's like they're exercising together. They're jogging down the corridors, like doing their morning workout together. Well, I expected this show to be about like Michael and her annoying friend Tilly. Like, yeah. No, I, it's so much better than that. Oh, yeah, it's great. Like, I, I love all of this. Tilly comes off annoying because she even says that in this episode. When, when I'm stressed out, I talk a lot. And Michael gives this practically, um, uh, Jim from the office look mm-hmm. like really no kidding you don't say you, you talk a lot when you're nervous huh? I never would have known yeah <laughs> there's a lot of that but um now to they're they're to the point where and apparently this took forever to shoot because yeah. they're 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 doing their morning jog like you would mm-hmm. uh through the corridors of the ship and they only built enough corridors so that at a jogging pace you only get through about 10 seconds of dialogue <laughs> and the scene's about three minutes long so it took for fucking ever to shoot they used to do the jogging through the ship thing on Galactica too, and I always thought it was a weird thing. Like, I guess if you don't have anywhere else to work out, I mean, they probably have treadmills, but if you want to, you know, run and move, yeah, I always thought just thought like people are trying to wander around and work and stuff, and like, I don't know, people jog down the sidewalk. It's, I guess that's true. You just but they don't jog the through an office building. Well, I I think the offices are the are the rooms. Mm. I think the corridors are you know walkways. Yeah. Like, I think it's more like a sidewalk. And sometimes joggers are obnoxious and get in your way, but... That's true. Mostly, you just step aside. Fucking joggers and cyclists. Oh, you (laughs) motherfuckers. (laughs) I think this is a... Not completely unique, but this is definitely something for Portland and Seattle where it's like, because the cities are so bike-friendly. Yep. As compared to other cities, we get a lot more of this. Um, But no, I like them working out together. Oh, yeah. Uh, the mentor relationship, and we get a glimmer of it's not one-sided. Like, Michael is totally mentoring Tilly. Okay, you want to be a captain? You said that two weeks ago or whatever. Mm. You're going to have to push yourself. Yeah. Like, every day, you got to get, like, six seconds faster. This is how you captain. And it was, and then what you need to do is you get to, to a real ship, not a science bullshit ship, but a real ship, like the Enterprise. Mm. And you, you, you work on command track, and eventually you become first officer. And, like, this is very cool. And then you see... The other way around, mm. where Michael's still trying to find her humanity, and it's thrown for a loop, especially here when she's got all her Vulcan dad issues. Yep. And Tilly's basically teaching her how to human. Like, it's not a one-way thing, which I like a lot. No, no. Sit down. Talk to this attractive man. 
Yeah, and I don't love Ash Tyler, but I do like that Michael, and we'll see more of this later, Michael, being Michael, has had almost no experience, like, courting someone to date them. I have only learned about love from books. Yeah, and we've seen this with, you know, Data, we've mm -hmm. seen it with Odo, like, it's it's come up before, but yeah. Michael's unique enough that there's a different take on it, but it's basically like, in all the time I've been pushing myself, I never kissed a boy, and now... How do I kiss boy? I also imagine she doesn't, like, on Vulcan at least, didn't spend a whole lot of time dating because, like, you're yeah. going to have very few Vulcans who are going to want to date a human. And she's from a high-born family that does mm -hmm. arrange marriages. Like, I bet your everyday Vulcans don't do that, but someone important like Sarek does, which yeah. we saw in, you know, Spock Amok. <laughs> like, I, I will always love that Bob came up with that. It's a great fucking title. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, uh, you know, we we saw that that's the way, at least for the, you know, the sure. higher class guys. And so she would have not really had anyone. Like, that's probably not a thing for Vulcans. They mm -hmm. probably just marry who they're supposed to marry, and that's it. Yeah. So, yeah. But Sarek, this, this is your good thing, right? Oh, God. I love Bad Dad Sarek. Mm -hmm. Just, I loved it when it was just Spock trying to win his approval and mm -hmm. just not getting anywhere. Like, I've loved the character of Sarek back to Journey to Babel. His, oh, yeah. His first appearance. And I love just the longer you, the more you learn about this character, the more you're like, God, he's a terrible fucking father. No, and they frame it as experiments. Yeah. As you had a half human kid as an experiment, and now you're raising a human as your own as an experiment. Stop mm. trying to push humans on us, man. Yeah. But, like, I love him even more. Like, Michael was a project for him where he was trying yeah. to, like, I'm going to take a human and make them into the perfect Vulcan messiah. And, and his wife, you... Amanda, is just like, no, we're rescuing this poor orphaned girl because yeah. her parents were murdered. Yeah, that too, I guess. Yeah, that, that, that's great, honey. But also... Yeah, this suits my needs very well. If I can prove that I can make a Vulcan out of anyone, they'll make me science king. Well, we, we were kind of riffing on this uh, not too long ago where it's the same reason Lucille Bluth uh, adopted Anyang to, yep. like, to prove a point to Buster. Fine. If you won't eat your plomeek soup, Spock, I will adopt this human girl. <laughs> but he's just terrible at it, and he's going to continue to be terrible at it, and I love him. There's there's so many levels where it's terrible. Mm -hmm. There's letting her go full on into the Vulcan, like, she's got the haircut. We've seen this already. Yeah. I, I, like, all of this. And Amanda's there the whole time, like, here. and I don't love that it's Alice in Wonderland, but I do love that she hands her a book from Earth and, like, look. You know you're human, right? I go yeah. through this with Spock, but at least he's half Vulcan. You're all human. Please don't forget that. You need to you need to human sometimes. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, Sarek is like, Vulcan more, Vulcan more. Oh, you didn't get into this thing because you're not Vulcan enough. <clears throat> like, oh, you piece of shit. <sighs> and then it turns out he was lying. Yep. Oh, if, oh. Only, if only you had Vulcaned harder. Like, he's pushing her so hard to be more Vulcan and then tells her, like, lies to her and says yep. it's because she's not Vulcan enough. And then at the end, like, I, I pointed this out in my summary. She says, okay, you know what? Parents make mistakes, but let's talk about it now. And he's like, nope. I will see not. no reason to talk about it. We're family. Mm, technically not. Yeah, that was the shittiest part of all. Yeah. Like, you know, I was raised by a stepdad and he's my dad and I called him dad pretty much from day one. And even in the angriest of anger, neither of us said we're not really related. Yeah. You don't that you don't play that card. That's the fucking nuclear option with step family. That's real shitty. That's how you break someone. Yes. You don't come back from that shit. And he says it to her as an adult. 
Yep. You know, as he's recovering in bed where he's just sort of lying there, it's not an emotional situation at all. He's just like, eh, you're not my kid. I just saved your life. Yeah, thanks, pal. Yeah. Glad we kept you around like a pet of some kind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thanks for rescuing me, lassie. (laughs) Your mother was right. It was worth raising you. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. I actually really like who they cast as Amanda. Like, I liked Winona Ryder okay in the Abrams movie, but I think uh, this... This woman's a little better, a mm. um, little more like the original, but with a little more range. And I don't know. I liked her more. I'd like to see more of her. Yeah. Uh, but my bad thing. Okay. I liked all of the backstory. I really did. Mm-hmm. I liked learning. <laughs> I liked learning that Sarek ruins Michael's life effectively uh, for the sake of Spock, who then says, fuck you and doesn't do it anyway. Like, like I love that- we're. Go ahead. I love Spock as the favorite who Sarek still fucking hates. Oh, yeah. No, favorite is, I mean, you got a grade on a curve there. Mm-hmm. But it's its like, uh, we're in the Prime Universe. I know you you like to think we're in the movie universe. But we're, I do. We're, we're ostensibly, we're supposed to be in the Prime Universe. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. In any universe, that scene we saw in the Abrams movie where Spock says, live long and prosper and, and like, leaves. Yep. That happened everywhere. So, like, that's the direct result of Sarek saying, uh, Spock can have the one opportunity mm-hmm. is he flips them off and leaves anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets nothing. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God, I hate magic mind bullshit. Like I hate how we get to all this stuff. It's, it's real rough and it was real rough the first time through and just, <sighs> no, I hated it through next gen Voyager and enterprise and I still hate it. Like mm-hmm. the flashbacks are great, but Going inside someone's mind and repeating the same dumb memories over and over makes no sense. And then they're karate fighting in his mind. Oh, that fucking karate fighting is so bad. And it's such a clumsy, nonsensical way to shoehorn in good backstory. Like, it's acted well. It's Mm. shot well. I actually, as much as I hate the Klingon redesign, the Vulcan stuff looks really good. The costumes and the, the sets they build, the establishing shot, all that stuff looks great. Oh, yeah. It's just the fact that it all takes place in a dream memory, and then they're fighting. Mm-hmm. What? Do you get it? Do you get the metaphor? We already got a flashback to Michael's first day on the Shenzhou. We could have just done another flashback. Yeah, this is easily. Just prior to that, where he's like, I guess I'll take you to Starfleet and introduce you to my friend, Captain Georgiou. Yeah. Like, this is the day before. Just another flashback. But, ugh. It feels like... We want to give the audience this information, but we want to do it in a clever way, and they tried way too hard. Yeah. Like, I, and just, I hate the, like, we have, like, okay, Vulcans, mind meld. Vulcans are vaguely yeah. psychic. That's, that's been there from the beginning. Yeah, that's fine. But, like, when you introduce all these new rules and, and stuff that, like, we haven't seen in 50 years, it's yeah. really distracting. No, and we've said a million times, if you're going to retcon something little that doesn't matter, who cares? Mm. We're not going to nitpick over, okay, well, like when the Enterprise-D said we're the first ship to leave the galaxy, and then we say, but actually the the uh, you know the original Enterprise, sure. uh, who cares? Like, all right, you forgot one episode, but this is a cornerstone of Star Trek mythology that you're Yeah, doing. this is a big deal. And, and if, honestly, the reason it bugs me is because if Spock could do this, it would have changed a bunch of stories. Mm-hmm. Like, if he had the power to reach back out to people he'd melded with before, that could have changed the outcome of a bunch of stuff. Mm. But, nah. Now, they, they do say this is, like, a unique thing for yeah, Sarek and Michael, but it's that doesn't make it better. No, I don't like going inside people's minds. I've I, never liked the visual, like, actually walking around inside a memory. It doesn't, it just 
it feels so not sci-fi to me. Well, the th- and the thing is, the the mind doesn't work like that. It's not no. like a, a room you can visit. No, it's like when a, they say the past a is mind a place. Palace, I guess. Well, yeah, which Brian Fuller did this, so sure, you know. But it's like when they say the past is a place. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. It's ah, uh, uh, I just there are certain sci-fi things that I wish they would kind of come back to, and I understand like. Magic mushroom drive feels like magic, and okay, that's fine, but that's a new thing, and that's enough. Yeah. The rest of this should be mostly hard science, I yeah. think. But no, it's all nebulous. Ma- and Stamets builds a thing that makes it more meld. Like, Stamets, oh. Stamets basically builds the uh, the thing from, uh, uh, from uh, oh god, what the fuck was that stupid movie called? I don't know. Uh, I was fucking... thinking he, well, go ahead. Uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, fucking buildings falling oh, over. Yeah, Inception. Inception. Thank you. I kept wanting to say Apparently, the most confusing movie ever made. Yeah. Uh, what was no, it I even was thinking... about? Nobody knows. <laughs> you know, I I found if you kind of pay attention to it, it's completely mm. easy to follow. But that's just me. Uh huh. Um, I didn't even dislike that movie. I just. It was hyped as being this mind fuck impossible to follow thing, and I guess I've seen so many Star Treks that it's like I know what's going on here. Yeah, no, it was a pretty good. Uh, it was fine. Yeah, but it just it was sold to me as like you better pay absolute attention or you're not gonna follow. No, I followed it just. No, fine. you're fine. And I am super ADD and don't always notice things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I didn't love all of that. I was thinking that Stamets built her the giant uh uh mind helmet that Doc Brown made in 1955. <laughs> <laughs> also good. That's what it should have looked like. I got this idea from watching Back to the Future. Uh, also groovy. Mm. Oh, yeah. Stamets talks like a hippie now. I'm fine with that. I don't... I think I like the change in his attitude. I uh-huh. love the way... Uh, what's his name? I cannot think of his name right now. Is playing him? Yep. Um. Oh, that's going to bug me. Oh, his name? Yeah, the show's going to grind to a halt now as people uh-huh. are screaming at their players that they, they know what it is. I don't remember. Anyway, I like the way he's playing it. He's he's playing because we've seen him uptight and snippy at everyone, mm-hmm. and now he's just kind of laid back. And yeah, we'll figure it out, man. And it, it's kind of cool. Um, I don't like that he literally says things like "groovy" and you know, it's it's all right, man. Chill. It's all connected. Like, ugh, that's just a little too on the nose. I uh-huh. think. Okay. First things first. His name is Anthony Rapp. Thank you. And secondly, when I typed in Paul Stamets, it gave me the fucking mushroom guy that he's named after. <laughs> well, the the character... We never talked about this. The character names on this show, not the most inventive. Cadet Tilly is a type of hat. <laughs> did you know yep, that? I did know that. Okay. Because I was trying to find pictures of Cadet Tilly. Of course. And uh-huh. when the first handful of episodes were out, there wasn't a lot out there yet. Yeah. <laughs> you just see... Why I keep seeing people wearing these weird hats? Oh. 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 That's weird. All right. Yeah. Anyway, the the delivery system for this for this flashback stuff, I did mm-hmm. not care for. It, yeah. It bugged me. What are you gonna do? I mean, fucking masks, Minoski. Mm-hmm. Mask not no. <laughs> the um, this is the introduction of the disco shirts. Uh, something which took me way longer than uh, than I'm comfortable telling people to figure <laughs> out. I think I finally told that say you disco on them. Because the ship is called Discovery and it doesn't fit across a shirt. <laughs> I figured it out when you were. T- I saw you talking to someone on uh, on um, uh, Twitter about it, uh-huh. and quietly went, "Oh, <laughs> no, I I get it. It doesn't seem obvious if you don't, you know." 
I was just, it took me a minute, but mm-hmm. it's, it's like, because Discovery wouldn't fit across the shirt. Uh, I suppose this would be a good time to remind people that we still have our post-a-toe shirts, which yeah, is made, if you're into that. you know, as, as the, basically the same concept of mm-hmm. like chopping the name off and, uh, Go to postatomichorror.com, click on store, and the link for the shirts is there. Yeah. If you want a shirt to really baffle people. Yeah. Why does that say potato, only it's spelled wrong? <laughs> but yeah, I, I I like that. I like that, you know, those two are in their uh, their off-duty, you know, outfits. Mm-hmm. The uh, the food dispensers have this weird, serious cybernetics thing from, uh, from Hitchhiker's Guide going yeah. on. Like ordering a burrito and like enjoy your delicious, nutritious burrito. Like okay, great source of vitamin whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting enough vitamin R from this malk. <laughs> I noticed uh, when they were doing that scene, uh, Tilly orders a drink, mm-hmm. and then Michael cancels it and order makes her uh, order like actual food, and then they leave and she never gets her fucking drink. Uh, she orders green drink. Uh huh. Which is what it's called, green drink. Mm hmm. I don't know if that's a reference or like if it's one of those uh, juices that has mostly green fruits and I vegetables it, in it. Yeah, I assumed it was just like blended vegetable drink or whatever. But uh, or it could be a reference to it is green. Mm-hmm. Who knows? <laughs> the one reference Star Trek loves bringing back. I mean, I liked it the first time they called it back, but that was enough. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the concept of like mirroring the. Uh, the mentor relationship between Michael and Tilly in Lorca sort of taking Ash under his wing. I just yeah. hate Ash. Yeah. But in theory, that's a, pro- like that. that's a problem that with anything that uh, involves Lieutenant Ash Tyler is that it, it will inevitably involve Lieutenant Ash Tyler. I forget we're supposed to use his full name every time. Yes. Yes. Lieutenant Ash Tyler. Cause that just makes it worse for some mm-hmm. reason. Uh, we learned that he's from just outside Seattle. So great. So am I. Your so, neighbor. Oh boy. He's going to be born. Can I do something to ensure that his parents never meet? That would be nice. I mean, spoilers, but no. Yeah. Well, all right. Um, <laughs> there's a there's a point when they're fighting where uh, uh, where they're doing the, the holodeck thing, which I'll talk about in a minute. Sure. Uh, they're they're simulating a fight with Klingons, uh, uh, Lorca and Lieutenant Ash Tyler. And uh, Lorca says, you fight like a Klingon. And my note was, how appropriate, you fight like a cow. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, what a great joke. Yep. I liked it. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of Lieutenant Ash Tyler, he eats his cheeseburger with a knife and a fork like a fucking (laughs) Yeah, like Mr. Pitt from Seinfeld. Yep. Yep. Uh, I don't have anything to add to that. I just think it's funny. No, no, you you need to point out, you know, that's that's commonly been your role on this show is is pointing out the weird background shit that other people you mm-hmm. know, miss and i definitely did not spot that after seeing this for the third time i'm fascinated by the, just like what is this guy eating <laughs> now that's a cheeseburger, cheeseburger and like an that's a cheeseburger, cheeseburger and some soggy ass fries mm-hmm. i still and this is not something i will pick at much because i don't care that much but mm. they don't have replicators yet these are supposed to be food dispensers which are like i don't know Spitting out food that already is made, I guess. Yeah, I don't. I I don't care that much. But I just thought I'd point it out. There's just like a kitchen robot behind the wall. Yeah, I don't. Well, there was a thing because I'm watching a lot of old '30s movies lately, and there was mm. a, there was a big trend called automats, which there's still some around, but this is oh, a big shit, thing back yeah. then. Where you just there's it's like a cafeteria, but everything's like in a slot in the wall, and mm-hmm. it's like a giant vending machine. You put in the money, and then it, you you can like you've put in enough money, you can open the pie slot and take a slice of pie. Yeah, no I more apples like, in the vending machine, please. 
Yeah. But it's like uh, it's like that only with a little bit more technology. Sure. Yeah. All right. That's that's my guess. Uh, I guess my biggest problem with this going through my notes is so uh, Admiral Cornwell realizes that Lorca is a fucking psychopath. Like they're they're in bed together post coital. He's asleep. She's just sort of running her finger across one of his scars, and he fucking like leaps up, puts his. Uh, hand around her throat and points a phaser at her head. Yeah. And she's like, hmm, maybe you, maybe we need to rethink you being in charge of Discovery. Oh, well, I'm going to leave. Bye. Yeah. Like, after, I'll, I'll worry about that after this this dangerous mission. No, I'm not going to lie. I've been fired once or twice. Sure. And I've been a manager who's had to fire people once or twice. Like, I've seen this from a few different perspectives. You never say you're fired, but go back to your desk and you're fired later. That's like. At, That's at, managing 101. At best, they're going to steal shit. At yeah. worst, they're going to do something vindictive. <clears throat> In this case, this guy has the only ship capable of disappearing to anywhere he fucking wants and you'll never find him again. Yeah. Maybe don't give him that and tell him, but when I come back, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. That's that just that was a that was a bad move, Katrina. Now, I think part of it is, you know, she likes him. Yeah, obviously. I mean, they, they slept together, which I don't love. I wish they'd just been friends, but yeah, well, whatever. I can I can forgive that. It's a small thing. But like like you said, they're also they're old friends. And yeah, like they are. part of part of the reason and we'll get to this in the spoiler section, part of the reason like that she was so worried about him is that he's acting really weird since the uh since his crew got wiped out. Yeah, since he lost his ship, which we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And her her thought is maybe PTSD because it's clear you're you're giving convincing lies in your psyche valves. Mhm. Which is the most psychopathic thing to do of all. Yep. Knowing that you're crazy and being able to give, you know, lucid answers that that make you seem sane. That's like, that's the worst thing. Yeah. Because then you're aware of it. You're not just like carrying some buried trauma. You're consciously aware that you're a monster and you're trying to actively cover up that you're a monster. Yeah. I (laughs) love. terrible. Yeah. I love watching him adapt. Yeah. Like, well, there's a few times and sometimes it's obvious in the context of what we know. Sometimes mm. it's like better knowing what we know about later. Yeah. But there's a bunch of points where he you see the wheels turning and he kind of changes his answer and changes his tactics. And very good. When when she's leaving, she's like, I'm getting you fired and stuff. He he just like, oh, okay, I know how to handle this. Yeah. And then Saru says, uh, the Admiral's been captured, so we're going to go rescue her, right? Because we always do that kind of dumb cowboy We've done that bullshit. like three times now, so. Yeah, you're you're one of those captains who just charges in. He's like, you know what? Let's just wait until Star- if Starfleet tells us to, we will, but maybe we should just hang back. And Saru's like, well, that's not what he usually says, but okay. Fully knowing that there's no way Starfleet's going to send the fucking Discovery to save this one this one woman. Like, I mean, that said, they sent Discovery in to rescue Lorca last week. Mm-hmm. So they might, but he I, he obviously wants to keep getting away with what he's doing. Yeah. And I, I just, Saru's clearly like, hmm. It's like that weird bit in Airplane where he's like, she never orders a second cup of coffee at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really liked it. I'm glad, I, I was reading in Memory Alpha that they were apparently thinking of uh, killing off Admiral Cornwell instead of the Klingons just taking her hostage. And I'm glad yeah. they didn't. I want to see this character again. Yeah. Me as too. the only and, sensible Starfleet officer right now. Yeah. And also, you just killed off, like, a, a fucking well, female that. character. Like, well, yeah, that's true. Don't kill all your women, please. I mean, yeah, yeah. we have a woman lead, and we have Tilly, but they have already killed Giorgio and um, Landry. Uh, 
Landry, thank you. Tom Landry from King of the Hill and probably real life. (laughs) Tom Landry, the uh, long-serving coach of the Dallas Cowboys and uh, also appeared on King of the Hill, yes. Well, of the two things, where do you think I'd know him from? I I know like three things about sports and that's one of them. (laughs) Because this guy- this guy was like the opposite of what you expect from like a like a former athlete throwing down a clipboard coach. He was this weird little old man who always wore a suit and a hat. Mm-hmm. He just like that guy's a football coach, really. I he looks like Homer a businessman from the forties. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know. He's just a weird character. <laughs> um, what else? Anything? Um, oh, we had uh, when they met the Klingons. We had these uh, like mediator race hanging out there and they don't really do anything and then the Klingons kill them but they looked cool uh, they looked super original series it was yeah, awesome very tall with these like bulbous sort of classic alien like gray alien heads and yep big, and cloaks big eyes. yeah very neat looking because the original series please. loved a fucking cloak yeah well they probably had to work with what they had mm-hmm. and they had a lot of cloaks yep they, they the Klingons said their names out loud as the Kankri or the Kankstri something like that but it, it was neat to see them even though for like a split second yeah Anything else? Um, I think that's all the points I had. You want to roll into, uh... Yeah, you go first. Uh, let's see. In the past of the future, Lieutenant Ash Tyler will steer a shuttlecraft through an actual fucking blacklight poster. <laughs> like, with a wizard and a unicorn and Doctor Strange. It will be incredibly groovy. Yeah, all right, dial it down, Paul. <laughs> No, it looked like a like when I was a kid. Like we probably all had this the toy kaleidoscope. It looked like oh yeah, <laughs> just like weird little colored swirls. Well, I noticed it got re- it was like it's it had like that weird black light effect in yep. the shuttlecraft too. So like uh, that's an effect we haven't seen in Star Trek a lot. So I I'm glad they're not doing the same. You know, tired. We're going into an anomaly, and it looks like this again. Oh, I don't hate it, but it does definitely look like a Steve Ditko poster I considered buying once. Oh, absolutely. Or that weird, like, uh, what is it, the Neil Adams, like, the lettering looks all psychedelic. Yep. And the, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and for me, in the past of the future, holodecks exist again already. This I, really if there's one thing me. I've learned from Star Trek, it's that holodecks have always existed and will always exist. What I, Okay, so we're talking about the at the beginning of the episode, after we see uh, Michael and Tilly briefly, we cut to... Uh, Lieutenant Ash Tyler and Lorca shooting Klingons and it's a fake out like it's Mm -hmm. the scene we've seen in Star Trek a hundred thousand times where you think they're in a battle but it's just a simulation they did this shit last week yeah and okay I'm sick of that setup but more importantly this technology doesn't exist yet what I would have liked okay they're in a simulation that's Mm -hmm. fine they're they're practicing phasers they're practicing phasers against specific Klingon tactics to to practice fighting these specific guys that's all fine yeah what bugs me is that they look real because the fake out has to work for us, the audience. That's the part I don't like. Mm-hmm. If this was the crude version, like Discovery's a, a science ship, maybe they were testing the earliest holodeck, but it should look real shitty. Like it should be low res or yeah. the Klingons should look real blocky or almost like robots or something. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like the concept of them doing a combat drill is fine. It's this just is a Nintendo sh- version of, uh, yeah, of yeah, absolutely. it should be like the NES. Whereas now we're up to like the, the, the switch, you know, yeah. like, but it looks because it's meant to fool us, the audience, into thinking they're fighting for real. Mm. And I don't like that. If maybe even if we'd seen them running through corridors first and we'd be fooled and then a Klingon shows up and it's this weird blocky mess. It's like, OK, yeah. that's not real. That would be OK. That would be great. Actually, I would love that reveal. It's again, it doesn't bother me that they have something like the technology. It bothers me that it is 
as good as it ever was, and it passes for real. Well, the thing, like, we have the, like, the hologram communications now. Yeah, I know. So. But that's, that's different, because it doesn't look real. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like the person is actually standing there. It's, it's like, a little fuzzy, and it's tinted. You know, like, it's clear. It's not trying to trick you into thinking it's real. Sure. Because the thing about the holodeck is they did so many episodes where people thought they were someplace that they weren't. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be that good yet. Like, it shouldn't be good enough to pass for reality. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Holograms exist. Holograms exist now. Yeah. Hologram Tupac, like, performed at uh, Coachella or whatever a few years ago. Like Hologram, hologram Roy Orbison is going to be touring England. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, whatever. If if his estate is fine with that, I don't. I guess I don't care. It it seems like it's in bad taste to me, but I don't know I, all the facts. I'm going to say right now, just so it's written down, uh, after I die, do not make a hologram of me podcast. Oh, man. Yeah, sorry. Well. See, Amanda has explicit instructions from me, and this all depends on me being, you know, famous and not wh- whatever we are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there is any way you can milk even a dollar out of what I have done for, for your own gain, do it. <laughs> I'm dead. I don't give a fuck. It's fair. Okay, uh, my quote yes. is uh, from from the aforementioned uh, workout scene uh, where they're talking about what makes a good captain and uh, Michael and Tilly say this. In my experience, that what I lack in athletic ability, I more than make up for in intelligence and personality. We may want to focus on those attributes. Everyone applying to the command training program will be smart. Personality doesn't count. That's just something people with no personality say. Wait, which in no way means you you absolutely have a personality. Which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Tilly's like, I uh, I didn't mean you. I mean, you have all kinds. Of, uh-huh. You're a yeah. great person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guy. All right. I got to okay. go. <laughs> I got to run faster. You've, you've now motivated me to run faster because I am embarrassed as hell. I'm really impressed, uh, Cadet Tilly. You uh, shaved that six seconds off your run real well. Yeah, I was real embarrassed. I had to flee. Yep. Turns out that's the best way. Mm -hmm. All I have to do is think about my mom and I can run a two-minute mile. (laughs) All right. So that's all for the non-spoiler section. Let us now move on to... Spoiler alert. So obviously the uh, the lead story is all this stuff that Lorca's doing to cover up for the fact that he's... uh, He's Mr. Mirror Man. Yeah, so this is the uh this is the reveal of the uh the agonizer uh Yeah, burn. he's got a triangle scar on his back, which is what which, uh the Admiral was touching when he went nuts. Which back in the day, um when we were first going through this, I read an article about on some website or whatever and told Al about it and he said, That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, they'll never do that. Yeah. No, we would because, you know, we didn't have the show to talk about it yet, and we would DM after mm. everyone and and back and forth, and you said this. And I was like, oh, come on, really? People think that? That's uh-huh. dumb. And then it happened. Like, yeah, oh, fuck you. I I mean, I thought the same about the Ash Tyler Klingon stuff too, but oh sure. Also, there were a few like uh, Lorca saying you fight like Klingon. Uh huh. Was the okay? Like it's all so I don't know. I didn't see it coming, so I can't say it was obvious. But going back through, it was like there sure were a lot of hints. The the Ash one I never picked up on. Like I heard about that later, and people, yeah, no, everyone thought that he was the uh, what's his face undercover. I'm like, never occurred to me. Well, it's because of the actor. It's because of that whole thing where they invented a whole different actor to play mm-hmm. Vok, and it turns out the fake name he made up was his dad's name. Sure, and no one had heard of this actor, and he didn't have an IMDb page and a whole like, but there's nothing in story really. Yeah. 
It's all like like uh, if you if you really dig behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. But ah, I don't know. And that was of course the joke we made when he was eating a cheeseburger. Weird is like, well, he's overcompensating because Klingons eat with their hands and humans are disgusted by that. So he's like, well, I don't want to tip my. I better just eat everything with a knife. Yes, and fork. Th- this is how Klingons eat. Mm-hmm. Because humans, to eat, yeah, humans eat everything with a knife. Like they may have some pizza with a spoon, I guess. No, I don't know how that would work either. <laughs> Not not easily. But the Lorca stuff, we say this over and over again, and I'm going to say it until the end of the season. It would be so much better if he was just a broken man. Yeah, because the, char- the character is so good. Well, we get a layer of him. Like, it's not just he's a hard ass. Like, we start mm-hmm. seeing, okay, there's something to this guy. Yeah. But eh, he's all just, like, and what he's really doing is trying to buy time to get the spore drive to send him back home. Yeah. That's his plan. Yeah, and also he wants to use Discovery to win the war, right? Yeah, he's not just going home. He wants to take Discovery back home with him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if he can stall the Admiral. Like, I don't think he necessarily sent her to her death. Mm -hmm. I think he was just stalling for time while he could make his plan happen. And we're only, I think, like three weeks away from that. But also, if she dies, that's, like, that's, like, it's not like that would be a bad thing for him. Like, he's willing yeah. to throw this woman's life away. Oh, absolutely. To but get I don't, what he wants. I don't think his plan necessarily was to have her killed. Like, the assumption that the Klingons were going to kill her was a good one. Mm-hmm. But, on the other hand, he just needed her to go away. Yeah. Was my thought. But, yeah, he's, he's working on his master plan. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we get a lot of Michael starting to, to fall for Ash, which I don't love. No, that wasn't great. I, I get it. I do. Because a lot of the story is her finding her humanity, and a good way to show that is having an intimate relationship with another human. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's that Lieutenant Dash Tyler, there's really nothing there. Maybe they could have hooked her up with Tilly? That would have been fine. I mean, you know, it's good to just have a friend who is, who is, uh, mm-hmm. who who is, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Platonic? Platonic, yeah. Yeah. But, um. But also. You know, yeah. This this might just be, you know, my magic mm. dream talking, but uh, <laughs> uh No, I I just you know, he sucks. That's all. Yeah. He's yeah. Also there was so little Saru in this, I feel kinda bad for what's his name. I, like anytime and I felt bad for Dorn back in the day. I felt bad for Rene Aubergenois back in the day. Mm. Like when you gotta show up and do all the heavy makeup and your characters in one scene. Yeah. Like a, he was off camera a lot. I think they tried to work around that a little, so he only had to maybe do one day. But. Yeah, I, w- I was watching an interview with uh, Doug Jones, and he's like, That's "No, they got my makeup down to two hours in the morning." I mean, that is that is not much when you think about how much Dorn and Aubergenois went through. But, sure, or uh, Armin Shimmerman, but it's still it's That's two, two hours. hours, man. Like also taking it off maybe doesn't take quite that long, but it still takes a lot of time. Yeah, so he's not accounting for maybe it takes an hour to take it off. Because you don't just rip it off, then you'd ruin it. You get it's yeah. reusable, I think. You got to remove that shit. Like yeah. So ugh. Um, yeah. Anything else spoiler wise? I think that's. I think that's it. I'm glad they didn't kill uh, the admiral. I said that already. No, I like her a lot. And we'll see her a bit with uh, the the uh, uh, Laurel mm. next time or soon. Yeah. So that's cool. This but, show's a little too enthusiastic to 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 kill its cast, I've noticed. So Yeah. No, it's it's that whole darkness thing which a lot of people criticize like this isn't very Star Trek. And I I really do get that. And I mm-hmm. I I agree with it sometimes. Yeah. Where 
I wish the tone was a little more optimistic because right now the world isn't and maybe a show like Star Trek would be good to show that'll get better kind of thing. Uh, it, would, it would be really nice to have a show about, you know, people getting along despite their differences and yeah, working and together. Like I've sort of resisted that for a while, the idea that that is what Star Trek is all about. I think it can be about a lot of things, but going mm-hmm. back to that right now would be pretty good. I think. Yeah, that's all. We don't need more war and torture and death and, and racism and people being horrible all the, mm. you know, like just, but I don't know. Also, like I said, uh, this was probably the lowest point for me. There's another point when we're in the mirror universe, one episode too long. Yeah. But right now, this is probably the lowest point. And then next week is the Harry Mudd uh, time loop episode. And that's when it bounced back for me big time. Oh, yeah. So that episode's not like... one, arguably one of the best episodes of the uh, yeah. the series so far. Yeah. And there's there's another one with, with Saru on an alien planet that, to me, is probably slightly less good than the Harry Mudd one. But because it's so quintessentially Star Trek, that makes yeah. it better to me. Like, it does have that sense of wonder and exploration and, and optimism and hope and all that. And, like, I like that. Well, hopefully we'll get more of that in season two. I hope so, but they're That's... also bringing back the Klingons. They're also talking about bringing back Giorgio as Section mm-hmm. 31. It's like, oh, come on, guys. Uh, all I know is what I saw in that commercial, and that commercial oh, that trailer, looked uh, that real trailer, good. Apart from the fact that they used fucking, like, you know, rockin' hits from the 90s. Yeah, that was a weird choice. Ugh, I, I don't like contemporary music in Star Trek. I don't. I've never have. And they're going to do it next week when they go to their dance party, and I uh-huh. don't love that either. Like, oh. I, what about when Captain Kirk surfs on the Beastie Boys? How about that? Oh, come on. You're you putting me in a real Kobayashi Maru there. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't... I have a soft spot for those idiots. I rewatched uh, Beyond a couple of weeks back, and that's, I still love that fucking scene. I No, I do, too. I honestly... I just wish it had been a different song. Sure. That's all. Even, like... I, I Maybe even not the Beastie Boys, because they've done it twice already, but uh, even just a different song of theirs? Mm. I don't know. It was too... This is exactly from the first movie, but the the idea of him of her of Jayla having this old Earth music and using it to blow out their speakers was great. Yeah, I like that. Just should have been like they were playing uh, "Fight the Power" by Public Enemy. It should have been that. Mm-hmm. That would have been way better. Uh, anyway, any other spoiler stuff? I think that's it. All right, a uh, couple of quick uh, notes. Uh, we got a gift. Uh, Matt mm-hmm. received a gift from a listener that was delightful. Yes, we wanted to, to give special thanks for that. What what, what was that all about? Uh, yeah, that was from uh, listener uh, Samus, who mm-hmm. sent us a wonderful signed DS9 comic mm-hmm. with, uh, from uh, Rene Abajois. Yeah, like personalized to me and you. Yes. So that was that was very cool of you. Thank you yeah, so much. Thank for that. you so much. It was really yeah. awesome. Uh, and speaking of people doing cool things, uh, so last week Matt, um, rather infamously, I would say, uh, came up with descriptions for all twenty-four Klingon houses, which was insane. One of your one of your best pieces of work for the show, I would say. Thank you, sir. I'm glad that we're eight years into this and still coming up with, you know, new things. Um, and Brian took it one step further. Regular guest Brian Lynch, uh, the mayor sure. of Christmas, uh, <laughs> and drew all of them. Yep. Drew this uh, uh, six by four grid of all 24 Klingons that you mentioned. Yep. Uh, not only that, he turned it around in less than a day. The show posted Sunday afternoon and Monday morning when I woke up, there it was. That was a real nice surprise for me when I was going over the news. Rudging in into like work at mo- on Monday, going through all your terrible feeds, and then yep. here's something that isn't awful. Oh, this is delightful. Yeah. Um, that is, uh, if you go to com to the uh, bonus 
stuff section. All the, mm. all the art that people have drawn for us is there, and that is a, that is there among the other stuff. Uh, it's also on our Tumblr, postalmancorner.tumblr.com, yep. which is great. Uh, and one more uh, bit of uh, sort of extra show stuff. Uh, video of our big live show from a few weeks ago, the first episode of Discovery, uh, is available now. It's on mm-hmm. YouTube. Uh, we will link to that uh, in the show notes, I guess. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. It's also on our, on our Tumblr. Or if you go to YouTube and search Post-Atomic Horror, there's only two videos up. It's our... Yep. Um, actually, that's not true. We used to do our season recap. Yeah, the puppet shows are on there. Yeah, but we did a, a live panel in Emerald City one year, and uh, that's on there. There's, there's oh, good shit, video I forgot that. about that. Yeah. yeah. It was very, Bob actually put some extra stuff in there. Yeah. Like, uh, he, he took... He, it wasn't just a straight recording. He took like the clips and and inserted them in so you weren't mm-hmm. looking at them on a screen far away they were actually embedded in the video and wow. like he 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 yeah made it a Thanks, little nice Bob <laughs> yeah put some titles in and stuff it was very nice this is just a camera pointing at pointing at us it is still mm-hmm. quite nice though the pocket yeah. um takes like high res video of everything and um takes them a little while to turn it around so we only just got it but i i was able to put that on youtube uh there is some like if you've heard the episode before i understand not wanting to hear it again and watch us sitting at a table but there's about five minutes of pre-show stuff mm-hmm. uh there's there's us opening the fantastic uh mission accomplished manner uh and and the the bit where we fake screen enterprise and tear up the screen which which was great yeah if you want to th- see al throw his back out fighting a piece of paper then uh... <laughs> oh, i was my it was my knee but that yeah. was it yeah I, the thing is I, I so rarely get the opportunity to do physical comedy because we podcast mm-hmm. and I, I overdo it whenever I get the chance, and I love it. I love to scream, and I love to flail, and that gave me the chance to do that. It's like when I got to play General Hux in that uh, Sarcastic Voyage thing we did. Like, oh, yeah. I love being shouty. Quality yelling. Yeah. So much fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but there is video of that, because Amanda, like, we didn't block it or anything. It was just sort of an in-the-moment thing, and the lights were down because it was supposed to be a screening, so she wasn't able to really get pictures of it because she didn't know where I was going to go, and the lights were off. Sure. So... Having video of that is happy. It makes me happy because that was a bit that I was pretty happy with. Yeah. So check all that out. Um, the website, of course, postatomichorror.com. Um, we are on, on Twitter. Twitter at Algar at, at Robot Matt. Yep. Uh, and next Give week. Give us a review on uh, uh, iTunes or oh, whatever. Yeah. yeah, iTunes. That's a thing. Yeah. Uh, and next week, Amanda will be joining us uh, for an episode that she was incredibly surprised to discover that she liked because on Mm -hmm. paper it sounds like something she would hate so oh yeah uh if you want to hear someone very proud admit that they're wrong (laughs) tune in next week all right uh see you folks the post-atomic horror podcast is a co-production of ron algar watt and matt robotham copyright 2018 please don't sue us we're just doing this for fun